welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, and The Honeymoon Effect. He's done groundbreaking research at Stanford University, which revealed the nature of the biochemical pathways in which the mind controls behavior and genetic activity. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, welcome back, Bruce. I'm going to reintroduce Bruce today. He was on the podcast last week. Um, Dr. Bruce Lipton is a um, cell biologist who quit his practice, the university settings, teaching and researching for many years to bring a message of healing to the world. He's the author of um, three, three books. One is The Biology of Belief. The other one is called The Honeymoon Effect. The third one is called Spontaneous Evolution. He's a world-renowned speaker, author, um, free thinker, to put it mildly, which I like. And he and I have started to work together quite a bit, and we sort of offer different dimensions to the same message. So I'm excited to have Bruce today on the show. Um, he lives about an hour and a half from me, so we get to hang out a little bit. He's become a good friend of mine. So we just have a good time talking and we'll try to keep it somewhat focused today right bruce i will try david and i, I just want people to know we we work together and create a wonderful series on pain management and uh, uh i think it's really wonderful because it's really mixing basic science and psychological and physical physiology back into one like one story that makes sense right uh, that gives us power well i'm an internist to start out with for two years of internal medicine and what you're always trying to find out in internal medicine is don't give somebody five diagnoses, give them one. There's always one diagnosis that creates multiple different symptoms. So right today, we're going to talk about more about the root cause of health and disease. And Bruce is, has some really brilliant insights into health and disease. In the first podcast, we really established that your belief systems change the expression of your genetic code which changes your body's chemistry or what we call physiology, which creates mental and physical symptoms. And when you are feeling ill or unpleasant or have a disease, your body's not in harmony with this, with this environment. So what I'd like to talk about on this particular podcast, and again, we can't really go detailed into the solutions, but I just want to talk about human consciousness and its effect on your body's function, both internally and externally, and how we talk about positive thinking, which is sort of a disaster, but I want to talk about the conscious versus unconscious brain and how you change this unconscious brain in a way to keep you healthy. So I just like to comment really briefly your concepts, your concepts about anxiety and anger being automatic survival reactions that we just, they're automatic hardwired. We can't control these things. Well, we can control things if we understand who and how we are operating. And so let's start off with a very basic understanding. The brain is a computer. It's the most powerful computer known to humans uh, in our world anyway. And I go, but there's a very important insight to that because let me take us back to, let's say in the old days, you wanted to get a computer, you go to the store, you buy a computer, you take it home, you push start and the screen boots up. And then I would say, well, now let's do something, write a story, do an essay, you know, make a drawing. And you say, no, I can't do that. I say, you got a brand new computer. I say, no, not until you first install programs into a computer can you use that computer. 
oh, so then we download things like Microsoft Word or spreadsheet data or, you know, web searching uh, programs. And then we can then later interface that computer by we can type on the keyboard and add information. So I want to give the parallel here in the human brain, and that is this. In the last trimester of pregnancy, the brain is ready to boot up. But can I use the brain? I go, no, there's a computer where it's got no programs in it. So the first part of our life has to be putting in programs. And I go, nature designed the system as such that for the first seven years of our life, our biological brain activity, the brain vibrations are at a lower vibration than consciousness. It's called theta. Theta vibration is characterized as imagination and that's why children can mix the real world and the imaginary world seamlessly. They can have a tea party, pour nothing into the cup, drink it and exclaim that was the best tea in the whole world. I say that's, that's theta. But most important people don't know is theta is hypnosis. And I go, why is that important? I say, a child has to learn all of uh, the processes of becoming a functional member of a family and a functional member of community. There's lots of rules. There's lots of behaviors. I go, well, how's an infant going to read a book or how's it going to get it? And it goes, the beautiful part about nature is all the child has to do is observe. The brain is acting like a uh, video recorder. What it observes, it downloads as programs. So a child uh, in the first seven years observes the mother, father, siblings, and a family, and then learns the dynamics of what is what are the programs to live live in that family. I say, how they learn it? They just observed it and downloaded it, and they became programs, okay? And then they also do the same thing, observing the world around them in which they live. And they have to see all the rules and how you, you know, how you live in harmony with everybody and how they do it. They just downloaded it. So the fundamental programs that come in our hard drive weren't actually expressing anything that we necessarily want in our lives. It was just, these are the fundamental patterns necessary to be a member of a family and a community. So that's the hard drive. By age seven, we start to then jump up a vibration in the brain to what is called calm consciousness, alpha vibration, which then jumps to a higher vibration, beta around teenage years. Uh, and they're different. Calm consciousness is like, oh, we're just peacefully having a calm day and we're conscious. Beta is like work or schoolroom focused energy. Okay. So I say, so what's the important part here? And I say, the brain gets programs. The programs are acquired by observing other people and downloading their behaviors. That's our fundamental source. And then after age seven, we become conscious and then we could be typing the data in that we want. Now comes the monkey wrench in the game. And that is consciousness has two opportunities. Consciousness could look out the eyes, like looking through the windshield of your car. Let's say your body is a vehicle and consciousness is looking through the window and driving you to wishes and desires because consciousness is creative. But consciousness can think. And I go, so what does that mean? I say, well, when, when you're alert and conscious and looking out the window, you're observing the world. But when you're thinking, you redirect consciousness inside. A thought is inside. So if I ask any of you, say, uh, tell me what you're doing two days from now, even if it's not written in front of you, there'll be a moment where you will think. And I say, but when you're thinking, then consciousness is no longer looking out the window. It's now looking inside for answers to whatever the questions are. I go, so why is it relevant? I go, well, imagine you're driving the car and then you start thinking. I go, all of a sudden, I said, well, now you're not looking out the window anymore. You're, you're in trouble. I go, no, subconscious is autopilot. 
when the conscious mind lets go of a function, the subconscious mind steps in behind the wheel and takes over. The, the subconscious knows how to walk, how to talk, how to drive a car, it can do all these things that you do. Uh, and, and so basically it says, when we are thinking, we then defer to behaviors programmed in the subconscious and not necessarily engage in any of the programs of our conscious mind wishes and desires. Subconscious habits, <laughs> conscious mind wishes and desires. Subconscious isn't evil. A lot of people think it's evil. I go, no, it's some of the programs might not be good, but the subconscious is a great resource. I'll give you a simple example. When did you learn how to walk? Before you were two. I say, I don't care what age you are. You could be 102. You still know how to walk. I say, why? Because once that habit is acquired, it's in there. That becomes a habit. Thank God you don't have to learn every other day how to walk again. You, once you learn, that's a habit. So we have good habits in the subconscious. And unfortunately, where do we get bad habits? I go, well, we're observing other people and we download their habits. And if they're in healthy, wonderful, harmony people, then for us, we downloaded some good stuff. But apparently about 60% of the programs that we download in that download where we need to put the programs in the machine, about 60% are disempowering, self-sabotaging, or limiting beliefs. I mean, one of the examples that we talked about last time is we have a belief that genes control our life. I say, well, that's disempowering because all of a sudden it says that I'm a victim of my heredity. And I said, but the new belief, epigenetics, is the one that says our consciousness is creating our life experiences. Well, then all of a sudden that's a very positive belief. Uh, and so we, had, we got programmed with negative beliefs, but we can change them into positive beliefs. So let me play devil's advocate here. <clears throat> so I agree, 100% agree. I think it's dead on that our unconscious brains from programming in every second of our life comes into the present moment. In other words, what we do today is determined by every input from from the prior rest of our life right so we're yeah. totally programmed to actually act today in a way that we feel is safe but when you're programmed from an abusive background which you know i had an abusive background so let's say you're raised in a chaotic abusive environment um that's the programming it's not very functional it's not very happy so i want to say something i hopefully can be clear on this you are a victim. You are a victim of a very abusive environment. That's your programming. That's how you view the world. It's how you react. So at some tipping point, then you have a choice to change that programming. But the reality is that really programming those first seven years is really challenging. <laughs> to say the least, yes, right. it is. Uh, it's, uh, I didn't add the last and key part. Remember, I said, when we are thinking, we defer to the program. And now I give you the big problem and science is recognized 95% of the day is the amount of time we're thinking. So I say your life is not coming from your wishes and desires conscious mind. You're an expression of your programs. Uh, and I just want to help people very quickly because I said the programming occurred even before you were born last trimester of pregnancy through age seven. I say, so what are your programs? I say, well, you don't know what program you got when you were in utero. And I said, well, how about the first year from zero to one? What were your program? You go, no, I have no memory of that. Why? Consciousness wasn't really working. And I go, same thing from one to two. I said, well, you got program. I said, what are those programs? I don't, I don't know what they are. And all of a sudden it comes down to this. What are our basic programs? Well, Basically, we weren't there when the programming was occurring. True. Now I want to give the answer because this is critical because this is our life today. And I say, so 
what are my programs? And then I go, ah, remember that bad fact, 95% of your life is coming from your program? Well, that fact also then says your life is a printout of your programs, 95% of your life coming. So I say, well, if you wanna know what your programs and look at your life right now, and I will tell you a very simple fact, the things that you like that come into your life, they didn't get there by accident. They got there because there was a program to acknowledge those things. That's why you experience them. But the things that you want, uh, uh, you, uh, you work hard and you sweat over and I'm putting a lot of, I'm gonna make this, I'm working on making this happen, whether it's relationship or more importantly, it was we're talking about right now, health. I wanna change my health. I'm gonna change my health. I'm working on it. I'm gonna do all the right stuff. I go, why are we struggling to make uh, that change? I want better health. I want a better job. I want a better relationship, whatever it is. Why do we struggle? And I say, because the program you downloaded doesn't support that conclusion that you're struggling over. The struggle is reflection of, you're not living the life you want, you're living the life of the program that you got. Right. And all of a sudden, and that becomes critical because 95% of your life is the program. Right, and that's really, really critical because um, by so to understand to create change in the direction that you want to go, in other words, change your belief systems, you have to understand what's already there. In other words, you can't fix what's there, but you can change it. So, you know, I talked about briefly before the podcast about how you change the unconscious brain. Since most of our reactions are unconscious, we do at some tipping point once you hit more mental adulthood state of mind, you have a choice of changing the programming or your belief systems. Well, you're was, conscious for the first time. If right. you look, I say, what are my programs? I say, well, where are you struggling? And I say, that's an issue of, of a program. Right. So you have programs that aren't so helpful. And we also talk about how positive thinking by itself actually is sort of counterproductive. Well, it's not counterproductive, but it's uh, actually, uh, it makes people feel really bad. I'm working on positive. I'm thinking all these positive thoughts and it's not manifesting. And I go, just the mathematics of this will explain it. 5% of your life is coming from the conscious mind that offers positive thinking. And 95% of our life is coming from the subconscious mind, which is programs. And a subconscious mind is a million times more powerful a programming mechanism than is the conscious mind. So I say, do the math. I have a few positive thoughts. I say, is that gonna change anything? I go, God, hardly, <laughs> hardly any time during that day, during that 5% where you were there will change anything. You have to you know, uh, do a lot of repetition because right. subconscious mind is habit mind. Right. So, and by the way, the, the subconscious or unconscious mind is basically a survival mechanism. I mean, you're programmed to survive. Yeah, well, that, actually, that, uh, let me just, I want to add this, is because it's in every living organism from bacteria to humans, there's something called the biological imperative. I go, what's that? It's like, well, science recognizes it's the drive to survive. And they don't know where it is. Like see, bacterium, you try and kill a bacterium, it's not going to go, okay, kill me. The bacterium will do everything in its capacity to avoid dying. So there's a drive for that bacteria. It's like, I'm not gonna die, I'm gonna keep trying. Well, we're built with the same thing. Anything that threatens us is then engaging the biological imperative says time for protection, time to do something. Uh, and that's where all of a sudden we start to realize the fears, the stresses that we live with 
are continuously pushing on that survival button that says, am I okay here? No. Right. Yeah. So the survival reaction is 95% unconscious, which is most of your actions. And so what you want to do is reprogram your unconscious brain to be more functional, to live a more enjoyable life. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, uh, because 95% of your life is coming from that. If you don't change it, uh, right. you can have all the positive thinking you like. It's never going to change the 95%. So my version of that is called, well, we, we both use the same word of neuroplasticity. In other words, you want to stimulate your brain to change. So instead of being stress automatic survival response, it's stress a little bit of a space, and then a different choice of response. That's so conscious decision. Conscious decision to give a different choice to that response. Yep. So it's a positive choice. I'm not much into positive thinking as much as a positive vision, which you repeatedly put into your brain. And so the repetitive programming of the vision of what you want your life to look like is really critical. So in other words, to I, my saying is that to have a good life, you have to live a good life. Those you have to practice living a good life to create the life that you want. So if you believe you can do this or believe you can do that, that's the belief system's becoming a what do I want to say, a light that you're shooting towards or a target. And that repetition as you keep going towards that vision, that actually changes the physical structure of your brain. Well, here, here's the point: the, the whole nervous system from day one, bacterium to human is based on stimulus response right the simpler the organism the simpler the stimuli and the simpler the response the more complex it gets greater and greater and i go so everything is stimulus response uh and this is where consciousness can come in the middle between the stimulus and the response and i say if you're unconscious the habit will automatically say stimulus in response out it's automatic you wouldn't even thinking about it it's just right. that's the way it's done but consciousness has that moment of opportunity to be when the stimulus comes in, it says, wait a minute, <laughs> I have a chance to do something else. Give me response B, a different response. And I go, so what's the relevance? I say, well, as long as you're in that conscious mode, then you are going to control the response. But then I said, 95% of the time, we're not in the conscious mode. So we're still then living out the program. But it's a, hab a habituation thing. The more I exercise the new response, over the one that I used to do, it's repetition. And that that repetition doesn't eliminate, it, it, it just changes the, it doesn't change the input. It's the same damn input. Right. But it offers a completely different opportunity of how you're going to respond to that output. Okay. Right. And that's where consciousness is creative. So a, a lower order organism, stimulus response, totally predictable. You know right. exactly what they're going to do. But right. when you get to humans, consciousness and the interface between that stimulus and engaging their response gives you choices and then in that choice you can start to exercise a new response and when i say exercise it i mean repetitively repeating that's how you get a habit you repeat it and what does it do it ultimately chooses the new repetitive pathway over the existing one right and so it doesn't eliminate the memory of the existing one. If you had trauma at some point, it's going to be there, but the trauma is not going to drive the response. Consciousness right. is a choice. Right. So, but here, so going back to the conversation, so you come from, come from an abusive background, you are a victim. Once you get to be a certain age and you're aware of the power of choice in belief systems, you're not responsible. 
So you have a choice now to actually choose a different pathway and actually reprogram your brain in a certain direction. If you choose not to do that, that's a choice. That's a choice. That's a really basic choice. So Fred Leskin, a friend of mine who wrote the book called Forgive for Good, made a very interesting comment. He says, it's fine to blame your parents for screwing up your life until you're 18 years old. (laughs) Then at age 18, you have to make a decision. Okay, I'm now taking over my life and I'm going to continue to screw it up or I'm going to continue to change it. So you can't blame anything in the past once you, once you develop this awareness of, of choice. This, this is extremely important, David. So I, I want to emphasize why it's extremely important. Any of the things that we call about shame, blame, victim, those kinds of terms. If you understand those terms, they, that meant, uh, let's say I'm guilty. I say, what does that mean? It says, I know there was a right way but I chose to do it the wrong way, that's guilty. But right. if you didn't know there was a right way and your behavior just unfolds the way it was, you had, you had no awareness of this. So I can't say you were guilty. You didn't even know what the hell you were doing. And so this is to me the most important part because when I'm giving lectures on biology belief and then talking about exactly this, saying, oh my goodness, all those things that happened in your past, well, you were technically, responsible but you were unaware right so i say then i cannot use legally the terms blame victim guilt shame because a person unaware cannot be accused of those things because by definition you have to be aware and then make a decision out of that uh that's different then those terms apply so the first thing is this up until today let's say if you didn't hear this before Whatever happened in history, without your knowledge, you had no power over it. Right. No knowledge, no power. Knowledge is power. Now, we say today, though, this is how it works. And now, all of a sudden, you got this knowledge. And I say, now that you have the knowledge, if you decide not to use that knowledge, that was your choice. That was your choice. Right. Exactly. And as you know, the biggest factor in actually solving chronic pain is one factor. That one factor is simply willingness to engage. If you choose to engage and reprogram your brain, it works essentially 100% of the time. The number one factor is that people choose not to do that. That's the big, biggest easier, problem. It, it's easier to be victim. Well, I guess my question is about, let's just talk about that word awareness a little bit. Yeah. So awareness is, so I was flat out unaware until I was about 50 years old. And my life was chaotic. I was, quote, successful. I was able to accomplish lots of different things. But I probably wasn't the the best at relationships. Oh, my God. I I always... My life. Okay, same story. Yeah, so I thought I I was aware. I thought I was just completely clueless that I was unaware. I didn't know what awareness was. I thought I was aware, but I wasn't. So when I actually connected to my true anger and anxiety, I realized, okay, this is what's running the show. I actually, I actually had to connect. I'm not going to even call it the dark side because anxiety and anger are protective. They're gifts. So, but I didn't know, I didn't connect to it. I was always spending my time trying to outrun these unpleasant sensations. So by saying disconnected from those sensations, I wasn't connected to anything, especially myself. So the first awareness, I think the first step in developing awareness is knowing when you're unaware. Well, that, that's where we're going to go back to well, recognize this fact. It's 95% of the day you are unaware of your behavior. Right. Uh, I've been giving the same story for 
35 years. And uh, I, I look forward to maybe someday getting another story, but this one fits the bill. And it's simply this, you have a friend and you know your friend's behavior very well, but you also know your friend's parent. And then one day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parents. So, you know, you got to offer, you go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And I say, the first thing I know what Bill's going to say, I already know what Bill's going to say. The first thing is to say, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And I say, this is the most profound story in the world. I say, why? Well, everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who can't see it is Bill. I said, but why can't Bill see it? I said, why is he playing that behavior? And the answer is, he's thinking. And the behavior that's coming out, he can't see. But everybody else can see because he's playing subconscious program. Why is he playing it? Because conscious is not paying attention. So does he even see his behavior like his dad? Absolutely not. And I go, well, why is this important? Because Every one of us is Bill. Everybody out there, I'm unfortunately going to inform you, we're all Bill. We're playing programs during the day that we don't see and others can see. Now, if we have a bad program, uh, it interferes with the, the path of our life. But do right. we see it? And this, this is it. Do we see we were participating and, and creating that bad problem? I go, no, that program was downloaded into you before seven. You're playing it because you're not paying attention. Uh, all you know is it's not what the conscious mind wanted. I wanted to be healthy and happy and have a great job and blah, blah, blah. And it's not happening. I say, what is the consequence? And this is the big issue. The consequence is if I don't see I'm involved, then I become a victim of X, Y, Z. That person caused this. This job caused that. I am a victim, victim, victim. When it was like, oh, my God, just like Bill, you didn't see you were manifesting this. And then as a result, not taking any responsibility because why would I want to sabotage myself? That's a pretty logical conscious belief. Right. It's not a subconscious program. Subconscious program is, <laughs> it depends on where you got your program from. It's not right. your behavior. Right. And that's critical. So I want to finish off this podcast again. We have just touched on a fraction of the material that Bruce and I like to talk about. But the bottom line is just taking it back to, I mean, I'm not going to use the word chronic pain, but just chronic disease, whether it's yeah. mental or physical, is that when you're an agitated, when your automatic unconscious brain is running the show, yeah. these are these are threat or fight or flight reactions. Yeah. It translates into sustained levels of stress chemicals, which physically damages your body. And so disease 90%, is a- 90% of illness is attributed to those stress chemicals. So that is not psychological. That is programming and physiological. Then as you actually change your brain, we also now know through research MRI scans is that you actually change, as you reprogram your brain, you actually physically change the structure of your brain. New connections, new neurons, new myelin, your brain actually physically changes structure. So we can't like get into the details of how to reprogram your brain, but you've mentioned in the past um, some principles of reprogramming the brain with the main one being repetition. And you had one other one that I, you talked about sleep or theta type learning. Yeah. Um, uh, remember I said during that first seven years, how did I download those programs? I said, cause you weren't in a level of consciousness. You were in a level called theta vibration, right? And theta is just below consciousness. So um, I said, when somebody gets hypnotized, uh, they want to 
quiet the brain down to even get just to that level of theta. And that's why in the old days, uh, the hypnotherapist would have a watch and it'd go back and forth and he'd say, you're getting sleepy, you're getting tired. And I go, what was the pro process for? It would lower the brain vibrations down to theta. And if, once you're in theta, whatever is coming in is not going into the conscious mind, that's disconnected. Whatever is coming in when you're in theta directly goes into the subconscious mind. That's how you got programmed in the first seven years, you're in theta. So if you get back into theta state, that's an opportunity to reprogram. And I go, well, every night when you go to sleep, uh, remember you have those higher vibrations, beta at work, and then you came home, calm down, calm consciousness, alpha. And just as you close your eyes and you drift off, there's a period of time where the vibration's now going slower, but it's in theta. And then it goes into the lowest one, delta, you're out, sleep. Right, right. So every night, just after you close your eyes and you're gone, there's a period where the brain is operating in theta. And if you put earphones on and play a program of the positive things that you want in your life. Uh, and I say, well, here's the beautiful part about it. How much effort is on your part? I say, the main effort for you is to go to bed. <laughs> Once you go to sleep, it's right. an automatic process. But you have to repeat it because theta is not a long period of time. It's a short window. But while that window is open, whatever's coming in to the brain is not going into the conscious mind, it's going straight into the subconscious. So uh, it, through repetition of putting earphones at night, it's called self-hypnosis. Uh, and that's how you can install a new program. And I love it because A, all you had to do was go to sleep and B, then 95% of the day with a new program, you didn't have to do anything anyway because it's been automatic 95% yeah. of the day. So if you got a good program, it's, wow, I don't even have to think about it because it'll happen automatically. So I just said discuss some resources about reprogramming. So <clears throat> I wrote a book called Back in Control, as you all know. I also have a program called The DOC Journey, which is designed to create that sequence. And from the beginning is about repetition, repetition, repetition. So to learn how to play concert piano, you have to practice. Yes. And so it gives you a sequence of things to practice. So Bruce and I are collaborating on a project where we take the doc journey concepts and combine them with his concepts, which are, I think, the ending point of my program, sort of the starting point of his. So we're excited about the collaboration that we're doing. And then Bruce has some resources. He has a website, brucelipton.com. He also has some extra resources for a small fee. You can actually go into further resources that he offers on his website. He wrote the book called The Biology Belief, The Honeymoon Effect, and Spontaneous Evolution um, are some great resources. Um, he and I put together a, a series of four videos, which we think will be released probably next week. I'm um, looking forward to it. I just want people to know, I think the collaborations you brought out was very critical from an internist to, and a basic scientist taking their, their knowledge from their respective fields and bringing them together and recognizing the important connectivity, which is <laughs> the instructions <laughs> that we need right. to take power back. Well, we're, and I, even though we both created the video, I think we were both extremely pleased and impressed how well it turned out. Because right. we can both talk on a little, for a long time on disparate subjects, but somehow it came about that we're able to really um, do the handoffs back and forth, back and forth. So I was extremely happy the way the concepts got created. That was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. And I really uh, look uh, forward to our audience to see these because uh, more than pretty fun, 
they're deeply instructional. Yeah, they are instructional. And then the final thing, um, my wife created an app called The Doc Journey, which is basically um, it's educational, it's experiential, um, and it's also effective. It's really, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's called The Doc Journey. It's also now available on Google and the, um, on the Apple Store. So we have a lot going on. Bruce and I have the same message is to really flat out bring a message of healing to the world. And that's basically connecting to your own power to heal. It's right there. The body knows how to heal if we just allow it. Get out of the way. <laughs> right. Get out of the way. Absolutely. So anyway, Bruce, again, thank you very much for being on the podcast. This is a pleasure as usual. David, and uh, we'll again, talk soon. I'm interrupting you, David, because I really want to say how much I appreciate our audience. Because uh, without, uh, without that, oops, machinery is trying to do something. Okay, sorry. Very important for, for us to, to uh, our mission, both of us, is to help, help the public. And by converging the basic science with the medical science, we can get a very big picture of what's going on. And I think this is going to be so wonderful for our audience to connect the dots and understand how powerful they are. Well, just to reiterate for both Bruce and myself is that there's data been sitting there for at least 30, maybe 40 years, actually go back to 1927, even longer. So there's data been sitting there for a long time that modern medicine is simply overlooking. It's just not adopting this data. So the stuff that we're presenting is deeply rooted both in clinical research, it's, it's deeply rooted in basic science research, deeply, deeply rooted. So my mission for many years, actually several decades, is just that we have all this research being done, the papers get written, nothing changes. So, right? So you could write a paper, great. So you have some new knowledge, but nothing changes. So we're, we're just really trying to bring a message out clearly. The data is there. Let's just follow the data. Let's just connect to that healing data. And our body knows how to heal. We know how to do this. Well, yeah. And the most important point is we have been programmed to be victims because then we lose our power and other people then become more powerful. Right. And then we will buy whatever their story is when we feel we are the victims or the weak one. And our effort together, David, is strictly personal empowerment that says you have no realization of how truly powerful you are as a creator. Uh, and if you get knowledge is power. Uh, the most important point is a lack of knowledge is a lack of power. Uh, and we offer yep. empowerment. Yep. Anyway, Bruce, thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk soon. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Bruce Lipton, for being on the show today and explaining how much of our behavior is governed by subconscious programming and how we can use tools like awareness and self-hypnosis to put consciousness between stimulus and reaction so we can create better health. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.